Hey, well, welcome everybody. We're really glad you're here and uh, we want to welcome everybody watching us by live stream. Uh, we ask you if you would kindly, graciously, lovingly share the stream. Just tell the world that Jesus is number one and just put share the stream and we would uh, love to have you do that as well. So we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, absolutely, is the Holy Spirit. Anybody like the Holy Spirit? Right? You like the Holy Spirit? He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. So the world likes to talk about ghost stories in Halloween around October. So I'm like, well, let's talk about a real good ghost story. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about him. So some people don't even know that there is a spirit. He's a gift to us. A lot of ignorance about the Holy Spirit. And a lot of ignorance. And one of the greatest things that, that the, the greatest gift that Christian possesses, the greatest gift given to us beyond our salvation is the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can't even be saved without the Holy Spirit. You have to have Him. He's necessary in the process. Acts chapter 19, you see this group of people. It says, while Apollo, so this, what's going on here in this story is you have a, 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 an evangelist, an apostle named Apollos, and you have Paul. And Apollos was at this city called Corinth, and they're going around and they're proclaiming the kingdom into all of these different regions and territories. And Paul went into the interior and he arrived at a city called Ephesus, and he found a bunch of disciples there. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered him. They said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And what was going on here is these people were baptized into repentance with John. They, had not, they were baptized. John was proclaiming the one that was going to come. And Paul came proclaiming the one that has come. And so instead of being baptized where they were baptized into a remission of sins towards a future event, Paul baptized them into Christ and they received the Holy Spirit. And, there's that, and when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. You may be completely ignorant of Him. You may not understand Him at all, but He abides within you. He comes to live inside of you. His role in your life is to sanctify you. His role in your life is to separate you from a world that you no longer own. His role in your life is to remove the lingering after effects of a life you no longer own. When you're born again, you're a new creation. Can I get a witness? Yeah? We're born again. But so often we carry lingering after effects of a life that no longer owns us. Yet we carry these effects. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life is sanctifying us, setting us apart from things that used to be a part of our lives, renewing us and changing us, transforming the way that we think, forming the way that we believe, challenging us on our belief systems, challenging us on the, on the attitudes and the things that are going on in our lives. So the Holy Spirit, He's a person. The beauty of this, and I really, the Christian has to understand this, because He's everything. He's everything. The church has neutered Him to such a degree or misrepresented Him to such a degree that it's, we're, rend we're almost absolutely powerless within our generation. The church cannot fulfill its mandate with doctrine. The church cannot fulfill its mandate with good teaching. The church cannot fulfill its mandate with good worship. All those things are important. The church cannot fulfill its mandate with prayer alone. The church can only fulfill its mandate with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way this happens. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's only, that's the only way this happens. And so we need to understand that the Holy Spirit, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 16, he says, It is to your benefit that I go, for if I do not go, the Spirit will not come. But when the Spirit comes, he will, he will lead you into truth. He will comfort you. He will counsel you. Jesus called him an advocate. So he, is, he, he comes to us. And one of the roles, some of the roles that happens in the life of the believer, he's an advocate. Do you know what advocate means? He speaks for you. How many things in this life speak against you? Right? Right? Everything, you know, traffic speaking against you. You know, everything's speaking against you. And, you know, and it's nice to have someone who's speaking for you, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is speaking for you. When your circumstances are talking against you, He's speaking for you. When everything is against you, He is always for you. He comes to us. The world cannot receive Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. So what the Bible is saying is those without Christ, they have no perception of the existence of the Holy Spirit. Neither sees Him nor knows Him. The word know is epignosis, experiential knowledge. So the world doesn't have any perception of the Holy Spirit without Christ. And it has no experiential knowledge of Him at all. Most Christians have no experiential knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We give a nod to him every now and then. We give a little nod. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, nod. But we don't have any experiential knowledge in him. The way you understand the Holy Spirit is through experience. He works in and through the scripture, but he is understood through experience. If you're not willing to experience and allow yourself to be engaged with the Holy Spirit, you'll never know him. You'll never know. I didn't say you didn't have him, but you'll never know him. Never know him. The world cannot receive him. If you're the only ones on the planet that can have the Holy Spirit, we should pay attention to that, shouldn't we? If Jesus died for you to have the Holy Spirit, it is expedient that I die. It is expedient that I shed my blood. It is expedient that I go through what I go through. It is expedient that I bear the judgment, the penalty, the payment of sin. It is expedient that I rise again in order for Him to come. In order for you to not just be born again, but for you to be empowered you're empowered with the life of an eternal kingdom. Why live in this world when you can live from His? The more, I, the more I'm in the Spirit, the more I realize how much better His world is than mine. When you're in the Spirit, that is your eternal identity. Some of you don't even know, because religion cuts this stuff out. You know, our churches preach this neutered gospel. They don't teach an engagement, or they treat, they treat the Holy Spirit like He's kookaburra, you know? Like He's some, like, crazy dude. He's your crazy Uncle Bill or something like that. He's a parson. He's a relator. He's bound to you. He, he relates to you. Everybody say it with me. Naturally, supernatural. Holy Spirit isn't weird now. I tell people all the time, if you're going to weird out with the Holy Spirit, the only one that's weird now is you. He's not weird now. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The spirit, you have control. He does not seize your faculties. He does not do anything. There's other things that are happening when you're engaging that way. Maybe it's just too much for you and you're just like, whoa, you've never experienced that before or your emotions are getting overwhelmed. That might be you. You may be that person. But if you learned what my pastor taught me a long time ago, he told me, hold the anointing. I come from a charismatic church, spirit-filled believers. They believed in the Holy Spirit. They operated in the Holy Spirit. And they'd have people, they'd lay hands on people, and people start freaking out. Oh my gosh, what is that? I don't know, what's happening to me? Oh, because they're just feeling power. They're feeling love. They're feeling regeneration. My pastor would grab you by the shoulders, look you right in the face, and go, hold the anointing in front of everybody. Hold the anointing. 
You're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're created to hold the anointing. You can be resonating with power. You can be standing up here like the human torch. And you can be in control of yourself. You can be swimming in the realm in the mind of the Spirit, in the eternal realm. You can be thinking from the realm of, of infinity. And you can be in control of yourself. All of those things are possible. You can think from infinity. You get in the Spirit, you think in infinite terms because you have access to the mind of the Spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've only done that once or twice. You're like, wow, that was cool. I was a genius there for about 10 minutes out of my life. I was, I was really smart. <laughs> you get in the Spirit and you're in His world, man. Infinity. Infinity. I could get used to this, like the song says. Come on. He's a person. He has a personality. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's not an essence. He's a person. A person. He's the most beautiful person I've ever met in my life. He is the kindest person I've ever met in my life. He's the most powerful person I have ever met in my life. And he is the most genius person I've ever met in my life. You want to know genius? Know the Holy Spirit. You'll know genius. You know nothing. You know nothing. The Spirit is the spirit of genius. Genius. Absolute genius. He has an answer for everything in anything. He's never freaked out. He's never worried. Doesn't bother him. Right? You get freaked out. You get worried. He's not afraid of anything. Anything. <laughs> He's totally cool in all times. In control. And you know what he does? And this is one of the most powerful things about him. Say it with me. He subordinates to no one. Holy Spirit subordinates to no one. When you speak to the Holy Spirit and you ask him to talk to you, he's talking to you. Do you know why? People go, oh, I don't want to ask the Holy Spirit. You know, I get pastors to say, we don't want to hear voices, Kevin. We don't want to hear voices. Don't start talking because we don't want to hear voices. I'm like, my sheep hear my... That's right. Whose voice are you listening to? When you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, he is not subordinating himself to the voice of a devil. He's not going to let a devil talk to you. If you ask Holy Spirit and you ask him a specific question, he doesn't stand in line to talk to you. Huh? Who told you that? Who told you that? You got all this tripping stuff in your head and it's the enemy working against you to keep you from being led by the Spirit. And you yield to it. And our churches yield to it. And it's wrong. It's wrong. He's a blood-bought gift, Christian. And it is the honor of the Lord to give you the Holy Spirit. It is your honor unto Him to walk in Him. It is your honor to the Lord to receive the gift that He has given you. And to actually open it. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He's not an award. He's given. He doesn't subordinate. Jesus said, if you ask for bread, if one of you being wicked, if your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If your son asks for fish, are you going to give him a serpent? If you being evil know how to give the right thing when somebody asks you, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give what? Anybody know? The Holy Spirit. He's speaking in the context of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you're asking for the Holy Spirit, he's giving you the Holy Spirit. When you're speaking to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You have to learn to cultivate and hear his voice. That's another story. But nonetheless, he speaks to you. He will guide you. He's a person. He has a personality. What's he like? <laughs> What's he like? 
Galatians chapter 5 tells us what he's like. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, we treat this stuff like it's poems. It's literally defining to you the nature of the Holy Spirit. It's literally telling you not just what the Holy Spirit will bring out of your life, but it's telling you who is, what his nature is. The Holy Spirit is love. Huh? Holy Spirit's nature is to bring about your highest good. Love in biblical terms is the highest good. Seek the highest good. Love is not an emotion. God does not have emotional feeling. He's emotional. But when the Bible talks about how much he loves us, his love for us is directly related to your highest good. It's not an emotional experience that he's having. He's not looking at you saying, you look lovely today. You're having a good hair day. I feel like I love you. It's not what he's doing. He's not having an emotional encounter with you. He has emotion. He feels for you. But compassion is not his will. Compassion, compassion doesn't move heaven. Doesn't. Mm -mm. Faith moves heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Human need is not the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is. God doesn't move on human need. He moves on faith. This is for somebody. Right? Some of you out there, you're praying, you're begging. You're, oh God, oh God, don't you see, don't you see, don't you see. Those prayers will never be answered. Beg, say it with me. Beggar prayers will never be answered. He will not answer a beggar prayer. He will answer the prayers of a son and daughter who knows who they are by faith and takes their position by faith. In the name of Jesus, I'm a son of the highest. I lay claim to what is rightfully mine and I speak. We're not asking God to do something for us that he's already done for us. He's empowered you with authority. He's empowered you with spirit and he's empowered you with promise. And his expectation of you is that you understand that and you appropriate it by faith. That's what he expects. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, don't you see? Oh, God, he never does anything. Yeah? Some of you lost your job. Oh, God, oh, God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. You know, stand up. In the name of Jesus, I'm a son of the highest. Favor is mine. It is written, right? He will give nations for my ransom. It is written, the bread is for the children. In the name of Jesus, I command open doors of opportunity. I command, I call forth the job that is rightfully mine. I speak favor over my life. Stand by faith. Begin to pray in faith. That's why Christian prayers don't get answered is because we don't pray by faith, Christian. You pray, you pray by feeling. You pray by would you. You pray by could you, should you. Are you in a good mood? Jesus is always in a good mood. He's, he, he knows what he said. Do you know what he said? He knows who you are. Do you know who you are? Take your rightful place. The bread belongs to you. Nothing fair about favor. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He's love. So what is he doing in your life? He is always working to your highest good. Yeah? He's with you, parakletos. He's around you. The Bible says he's in you. He lives in you. And the Bible says when we manifest him or we partner with him, he comes upon us. That's the power that you feel. So you get the Holy Spirit in three dimensions. You don't just get him once. You get him in three dimensions. He's working around you, taking care of all your stupidness, right? Working all things out to your good. That's what he's doing. He's parakletos. He rotates and moves around your life. Parakletos. He's in you. What's he doing? He's in you trying to lead you. He's in you trying to guide you. He's in you trying to instruct you. What our biggest problem is, is we don't listen to him, right? So he's, you know, we're in a conflict with the Holy Spirit all the time. I used to have an answering machine. I tell this story a lot because it relates to the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember answering machines? Anybody remember that? Right? If for those of you that don't know, there used to be a phone that hooked up to the wall. <laughs> had a long cord that you could reach into another room with. And then there was another box that connected to the phone. 
that would actually answer messages and you'd come home and you'd check your answering machine, right? And it would beep. And I had an answering machine that would beep. And I never, I used to, I turned it off, man. I just tuned it out. My friend's talking to me on the phone. He's like, what is that noise? I'm like, oh, that's my answering machine. He said, doesn't that bother you? And I'm like, no, I tuned it out. I didn't even think about it. I, this thing would be going beep in the background. Beep. Anybody remember that? You had those beeping answering machines, right? It's like, you're going to answer me whether you want to or not, because I'm going to annoy you until you get up off the couch and hit that button. So what happens with the Holy Spirit is we silence his voice. We get so used to hearing him or we get so used to ignoring him that we become almost numb and callous to him. And he no longer speaks to us. We as Christians, there is, we must develop the, co- the voice of the Holy Spirit within our lives. There are so many voices in this world that are clamoring for your attention, including your own. The voice of your feelings, the voice of your circumstances, the voice of the age, you know, the, all of the voices around you are always clamoring for your, for your attention and always drowning us. We have to learn to cultivate the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's essential. Essential. So his nature is love. His nature is joy. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right? That's the Holy Spirit. You're happy and you don't even know why. You feel like everything's going to work out and you don't even know why. Honey, the house is burning down. I don't know. I feel good about this. I'm not really sure why. Something good's going to come out of this. I don't know what. You know? <laughs> Joy, you're not, you're not moved by circumstances. Paul says, none of these things move me. I am moved by nothing. When you're in the spirit, things don't move you. Peace, which means flourishing. That's what the word peace means. It's not a Zen state. It's a state of flourishing. The word shalom means to rise and flourish. So when the peace, the Holy Spirit is a river of peace, He not only calms your soul, but He causes you to flourish in the midst of storms. He causes you to succeed in the midst of economic downturns. This is what he does. He will bless you. When everybody else is going down, you'll go up if you learn to listen to him. Forbearance. He's not only patient with you, he gives you the patience for other people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Okay, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I live this stuff, man. I live in this dichotomy, this dichotomy of my own life. I can be incredibly impatient. I know I'm the only one. Right? I know I'm the only one. Stretch your hands towards the pastor. He really needs prayer. Right? I'm the only one. All right? I can be impatient. I can be very impatient. But when I'm in the spirit, I'm insanely patient. Insanely patient. So you need to know that that's him. That's you. This is your true self. The patient you is the eternal you. So when you're, you're going to be eternally patient, you should be happy about that. You're like, whoo, I don't have to bring this with me. You know, this is who I'm really going to be because, you know, we're in this... Two, two sides of our existence. Holy Spirit is kind. He's kind. He's bringing kindness to you and he's bringing kindness through you. That's who he is. What's he like? He's not pointing out your wrongs to accuse you of anything. One of the biggest things that has to be understood about the Holy Spirit is that when he is identifying areas of our life that need to change, you need to understand why he's doing that. He's not doing that because you're a loser. He's not doing that because you're a failure. Everything with the Spirit of God is about relationship. Everything. Intimate relationship. Depth of relationship. That's what he's all about. And so when he's pointing things out in your life, he's pointing out to you things that are interfering with that relationship. And he's jealous, not of you, but for you. And so when he's pointing out your ego, he's showing you that ego is a barrier to the relationship with me. And I don't want it. 
When he's pointing out your arrogance, he's saying your arrogance is a barrier. Your fear is a barrier. Your faithlessness is a barrier. Whatever it may be, your mentality, the way that you think, the decisions, the basis of your decisions, these are barriers, Kevin. We have to deal with that. And as you deal with it, what you'll notice is that the depth of the relationship with the Holy Spirit increases. This is why Christians can't get into depth of relationship with him. Either they don't want to yield in his presence or they don't want to listen to him when he instructs. And that's what, that's what encapsulates us and we're not able to move. God's designed you to move from glory to glory. He's designed you to be better. Ten years in, man, you should be better, stronger, faster. Bionic man, I'm dating myself now, right? We can rebuild. Anybody remember the bionic man? Dude, you're old. You're old, man. Now, so we can rebuild them. You're going to be better, stronger, faster. As you walk with the Lord, he's made you to, be, to go from glory to glory. Gentleness and self-control. So I can't control myself. Yes, you can. Holy Spirit's going to take me and throw me all over the place. No, he's not. He gave you so He manifests self-control. He gives you the ability to control yourself. If you want to run around the church and dance and you know, jump like, like some of these guys, I'm, I'm all into dancing. I'm all into worship. I'm all, don't get me wrong. But some of this, this you know, clucking and barking and stuff that goes on, you know, saying, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm roaring like a lion. Roar! Roar! With churches walking around with putting leashes on people, right? He's manifesting the spirit of submission. Anybody remember that? That ain't the Holy Spirit manifesting the Holy Spirit, the spirit of submission. That's you manifesting some kind of cuckoo-ness that you got, but that is not the Holy Spirit, you know. Might want to look into some areas of your life here. It looks a little sadomasochistic there to me, but, you know, nonetheless, hey, come on, man, what's going on? What I'm trying to tell you is that, 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 that a lot of this nonsense when it comes to the Spirit of God is exactly that. It's nonsense. You can worship you can feel on fire. You can want to spin. You can want to twirl. You might even feel so juiced you want to jump up and down. That's cool. But any of this weird stuff that goes on that we see, in the, we see within our churches, that's not the Holy Spirit necessarily. That's people partnering with the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're reacting. But again, hold the, everybody say it with me. Hold the anointing. I know. I know. Hold the anointing. What happens is, listen. We do certain things, and if these things are true manifestations, I want truth. I don't want some kind of show. I want truth. I want power. I, want, I don't want to you know, lay out on the carpet for three hours. I'm all in. The Holy Spirit whacks you. You want to lay out under there, and you want to soak, and you want to bathe in his presence for three days. Go for it. But you better get up after three days of baking and soaking, and you better get up and change the world. Exactly. Or it's nothing more than a vain exercise. It's nothing more than vanity. Right? I'm into it. Let's soak. Let's go on a five-day soak. Let's soak. Let's get, an, let's get a strategy. Let's get some power. Let's get a focus. Let's get a vision. I'm into it. But I'm not going to come out of a five-day soak unchanged. If you come out of a five-day soak unchanged, that's vain. Emptiness. Lying vanities. So let's just be clear. Nothing wrong with getting slain in the spirit. You want to go down? Woo, woo. Woo, that was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. But let's, let's, let's press for what is real and what is true. The worst thing the church can do is claim to manifest the Holy Spirit and there be no power. <laughs> we have churches that deny power and we have other churches that claim to have power but they can't manifest anything. 
or what they manifest is like trinkets. We manifest power here, Christian. Power. People are healed here. People are transformed here. Tumors are healed here. Cancer is healed here, okay? Just, let's just be clear. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. I guarantee you, if I, we start recording this, which I feel like God's been dealing with me, you got to steward this a little better, Kevin. I'm like, I'm working on it, Jesus, help me, you know? We start recording all the people that got healed here. Story after story after story after story after story. It's not one miracle in 10 years. It's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Not just physical healing, financial healing. Not just financial healing, mental restoration. Right? We've seen people that are absolutely out of their mind healed. Paranoid schizophrenic healed. Healed. I'm going to get them to testify. You don't even have to take it from me. And they'll tell you, you know, they're like, man, I was this guy and I had heard voices and this was going on with me. I mean, we see it. Do you bat a thousand? No, we don't bat a thousand. We don't bat a thousand. I'm trying. Just had a woman die in a hospital. Just wrecked me. Tore me off for like three days. My wife's like, you did everything you could. I go, I know. But what didn't I see? What didn't I know? You know, and it wasn't somebody that came to the church. It was someone else's family member. But it bothered me. It bothered me. Because I know I can manifest power, and so can you. The issue isn't whether I can. The issue is, is what was the barrier there? What did I not see? What did I not know? What was I dealing with there that I didn't do? And I, I, I learned a few things. I need to be more direct with family people. You know, that's one of the things I need. I need to ask them, what exactly is this woman's background? What exactly has been going on in her life? What exactly? What, what are any issues that would impede the healing from coming forth? What is it? I need to know. You know, and I, I get timid because I don't want, you know, because I, I can come across strong. So a little bit like, well, <clears throat> maybe I won't tell them that, you know, or I won't ask them that, but I should have. I should have. Signs and wonders will follow. But when you can't manifest healing, Christian, there's a, there's a reason. Either, and, and most likely, you don't know what you're doing, A, or B, there's something resisting the healing that has a right to resist the healing. It's just that simple. How do you know this? Because I do it all the time. I do it all the time. With people after people after people. I'm glad she's not even here. I was just the last woman, just in Firestarters, not even two months ago. Um, Gladys was here. She, from the time she was 15 years old, she's had this issue with her stomach. She's been to deliverance. She's been to healing. She's been to doctors. Nothing. Nothing. And she just casually asked me a question in Firestarters, and I started talking to her. I'm like, well, what happened to you at, what happened to you at 15? And then I started working through her. And I said, well, you... There's a trauma that happened at 15, and this is, what, this is linked to this, and this is linked to this, and this is linked to this. And I said, you got 20 minutes? Let's pray. And I walked her through this process, gone, completely gone, completely gone, completely healed. Something that she's had since she was 15 years old. And why wouldn't it heal? Well, it's God's, God's will to heal. No, it's God's will to heal. The enemy claims a right to resist it. I know this just twists people's theology because the church doesn't teach this, if it teaches healing at all. There are reasons. We see instantaneous healings, and then we see healings that are done in process. You know, see a bunch of stuff. Had a guy here was in a car accident, broke his spine. This is a beautiful story. Broke his spine. He couldn't walk, and he was sitting over in his chair. They bring him to fire starters. And everybody thinks it's like a one-off, right? Like, pray for me one time. I'm like, dude, this is a process, man. You know, it's not, it's not one-off. I mean, do you see the doctor one time? Is that what you do? You see him one time? 
Is anybody here? Oh, I got this thing. I got to see the doctor one time. You don't see the doctor one time. You see the doctor like as many times as it takes, right? Jesus had, give Jesus a chance, man. So the guy's here and, and he's, his spine was severed and he's sitting over and we prayed for him and we were praying for him. We were praying for him. And I asked him, I said, what bothers you the most about this, about what's going on right now? And he says, because I'm hungry. Anybody, was he, were you anybody here at Firestarters when this happened? Exactly, right? So I'm not making this up, right? So the, this guy's hunched over like this in a chair and, and we prayed for him and he sat up, right? And he couldn't sit up. And I asked myself, I started when I go home and I always ask the Holy Spirit because I'm, I'm asking him like what's going on with this and what needs to happen here. And I'm getting off on a healing teaching here, which is my passion. You can clearly see you start to get me talk about healing. I'm, I'm off to the races. But um, I, I started asking the Holy Spirit what's going on with him. And he was telling me he needs cellular regeneration. He needs the, this body needs to be regenerated. And I was talking with another friend of mine. He said, what do you mean? And I said, man, I'm, I, I want to get to the place where I'm laying hands on somebody. I can teach you, and then I can teach other people to do this too. But I want to get to the place where I'm laying hands on somebody, and here's nerve endings are regenerating. You know, that's, that's where I want to be. Well, I'm laying hands on him, and while I'm laying hands on him, his body is regenerating. His body is creating creative miracle within him. That, kid, that guy sat up, and I went home, and I asked him. I asked the Holy Spirit. I was like, wow, you sat him up. And he told me. He's my son. That's what he told me. He's my son. What's the first thing Jesus does for his son? He sits him up with dignity. Is that nuts? Is that crazy? He's got no feelings in his legs, but the guy's all hunched over and he's staring at his knees. And every time he goes to look at you, he can't even look at you in your eyes. He, you know, the devil's got him bowed down. You're going to stare at your knees. You know, you're going to do this. This is the way your life's going to be. And Jesus sits him up and he sits him up and he restores dignity to him. So come, oh, come on. The guy had been to doctors for since February. The doctors didn't get him sit up, did they? They doctors didn't get him set it up, but Dr. Jesus set him right up. Set him right up. I told him, he, you know, people don't listen. I'm like, come back. Get prayer every single week. I got three guys here. I'll tell them what to do. You're going to lay hands on him every single week, and you're going to regenerate. You're going to command regeneration into his body. So you're going to go over in a corner for 10 or 15 minutes and this, these three guys are going to come and lay hands on you and command regeneration into your body. And we're going to do it every single week. That's, that's just me. That's just me. I don't take no for an answer. Jesus paid for it. I want it. We want truth. We want spirit, power, and truth. Right? Cancer-free zone. What cancer? Nobody at Elevate's got cancer. What tumor? Nobody at Elevate's got tumors. Who told you that? Oh, are you with me? <laughs> he's a person. He's prominent. I got to move. He's prominent. Jesus said, because I, he said, I, it's to your benefit that I go away. So he's a person. And Jesus said, he's prominent. Pay attention to him. He, I'm giving you someone who's prominent. And he's to be preeminent. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's prominent. Jesus says he's prominent, and he is to be preeminent. He is to be first in every single thing in our life. If you follow the scriptures, it will say over and over again, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. You'll see it repeated again and again and again and again. It says he's preeminent. He's to be first in our lives. He's a spirit of counsel. When you talk to him, he's going to talk to you. He's going to talk to you. First word, first response. He's going to talk to you. Boom. Why? Because he's ready to talk to you. He loves you. We ignore him to our own demise. So here we go. It's possible to be born again and live in the old life. It's possible. 
possible for Christians to be born again and still have no transformation changed in them. Nothing. One of the reasons that well, Scripture tells us, you know, you've sat on your lees, you've, you've rested from the time you've gained this, you've rested. You've not emptied yourself from vessel to vessel, therefore your scent remains. Nothing's changed in you because you've not done anything. <laughs> it's possible to be born again and live by the old life. Everybody say, there are three cultures. Right? So here's the first one. We have the world's culture. It's called cosmos. So the word, co so let's just get this word down first. So say it with me. The word culture means system of thinking. So there are three dimensions that, have, that carry system of thinking. The first one is the world. This world isn't as much as, the Bible doesn't view it as a place as much as it views it as a system of thought. And that system of thought affects everything. It's a world of greed, isn't it? It's a world of selfishness, isn't it? It's a system of thinking. People within this world are always, always, forever thinking in their own selfish terms. I had this guy, I was talking to him about it, and he said, oh, I, you know, I just gave away two pieces of pizza to this homeless man, and I feel so good about myself. He's worldly. And I'm like, that's your idea of feeling good about yourself? You know, every 99.9% .9 of his day is spent thinking about no one but himself. And so he appeases his conscience by giving away a couple of pieces of pizza. The world, the world in and of itself seeks its own so we have the world's culture that only you are no one but somebody to be consumed. You know what I'm talking about? You see it in relationships. You see it in workplaces. No, nobody's out for your good. They're all out for themselves. That's the world's culture. The kingdom culture. That's God's economy. Right? But let me, before I get to the kingdom culture, let's talk about the church culture. Why don't you say this to me? Church culture is not necessarily kingdom culture. We mistake church culture as if it's kingdom culture. Church culture is not necessarily kingdom culture. We're a kingdom culture church, which means whatever is in his culture, we want it in this culture. That's, right, that's what we want, right? We're not out to create a culture and call it, call it kingdom. We're out to create the kingdom culture. You want generosity? Let's be generous. You want authenticity? Let's be authentic. Right? You want love? Let's bring love. Whatever his, whatever his way of thinking is, is what we want. No doctrine, no denominational preferences, nothing. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in preserving an institution. We're interested in bringing a kingdom. That's what we're interested in. Churches are told, the church culture is oftentimes uh, determined to preserve its own preferences. Well, bless God, we've done this since 1962, brother. Well, hallelujah. Yeah, and that's why we're no, nothing's changed. You know, everything's bound in its religious context. Everything's bound in its religious framework and nothing changes. So we have three cultures. God's calling us into his kingdom culture. And the way we manifest kingdom culture is through the Holy Spirit. He, he leads it. He brings it forth. Paul says this in Corinth, right? So here's the Corinthian church. This is a, so here you go. I'll, I'll break it down for you real quick. <clears throat> he says, brothers, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal he said, I fed you with milk and not solid food from Tao until the time you could receive it. Even now, you're still not able to digest the truth of what I'm giving you. You are still carnal. For where you are envious, strife, dividing among you, you are carnal and you behave like men. In other words, this isn't who and what you are. You're living by an old nature. And this was a very spirit-filled church. They would say things like this. We speak in tongues, Paul. And he'd say, you gossip like the devil. We heal the sick, Paul, and you murder your brother with anger and strife. So they would manifest spiritual gifts, but they were spiritually immature and emotionally. And they were spiritually immature in the way that they handled each other. 
They were dividing. They were strife-filling, right? And it's possible that we can be born again. And it's possible that we're not living by the nature of the Spirit, but we're living by a carnal nature. Selfish choices. The Bible says, prefer the other. What about me, Pastor? If I prefer other people, what about me? Seek first the kingdom of God and what is right to Him and everything will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom. Selfish choices. He says you fight with each other and you never reconcile the offense. I want you to say this. It's not an issue if I don't agree. The issue is if I don't reconcile. Right. The, look, we're not going to get along with each other. We're, we're going to disagree. You like red, I like blue, you like green, you know, whatever. We're going we're gonna to have different preferences and we may not agree on everything. All y'all may not agree on everything. The issue isn't whether or not we disagree. The issue is when we divide. That's the issue. That's where the Bible has an issue. Or when you're unwilling to reconcile, where you're offended and you will not reconcile. Or where you're offended and the other person wants to reconcile with you and you will not. The Bible calls it carnal. You can call it anything you want, but don't you say it's spiritual. You can call it, well, uh, the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you to reconcile. I'm going to tell you right now. He's going to tell you to reconcile. That's what he does. He's a reconciler. He's in the restaurant. doesn't mean you guys can just say, look, hey, I'm sorry I said that. That was really stupid. Please forgive me. I forgive you. No problem. And everybody moves on. You know, we'll react fleshly. It's like, well, I can't believe you said that to me. Who do you think you are? You know, and we walk around acting like that. The Bible says you're worldly. You're like the world. You're acting like carnal Christians. That's what you're doing. He tells us that, that we're supposed, the only way we can do that is in the spirit. Whatever feels good emotionally. This is what happens with carnal. We have churches that basically teach this now. If it feels good, do it. You know, hey, just go right ahead. All, all bets are off. Go right ahead. Whatever feels good emotionally or physically. We're not to live by our emotions. And we're not to live by what feels good physically. Right? We live by the, every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. We live by what he says. Not just the logos, but the rhema and the prof, prophetic or the prophet. God speaks in three dimensions. He's not speaking in one. He's speaking in three. You know, so we don't live by that. We don't, you know, your emotions are important, but they're not to rule you. Your physical needs are important, but they're not to rule you. Jesus said, don't consider them. For after such things the Gentiles seek, and your Father in heaven knows what you need, have need of even before you ask. Therefore seek the kingdom of God and what is right to him. Right? He knows you need a job. It's okay to ask for it. That's okay. He knows you need to provide for your family. He knows you need, he knows what you need. He's going to take care of you. Our problem is, is that we live impulsively. We live impulsively. Listen, if you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you something, you know, it's like, well, I, Jesus wants me to listen to doctors. I say, listen, if you don't listen to Dr. Jesus first, Jesus doesn't have a problem with doctors. He has a problem being second. He doesn't have a problem with anything. His problem is that he's not, he is not preeminent, and his preeminence comes through the Holy Spirit. Whatever feels good emotionally, we end up following this. We're driven by impulses and desires of the soul. So what's happening in our culture right now? We listen to all of these voices, all of these voices, and they're drowning, and they're shouting, and they're shouting, and they're shouting. The Bible says the Holy Spirit speaks in the still, small voice. He speaks in stillness, and he's the quietest voice in the room. He's not shouting it at you. And so if we don't learn to understand stillness of spirit and calm, if every time we watch something on the news, we go into some frantic state of panic, you know, we're Christians. For the love of God, we're Christians, right? 
We're not people of fear. We're people of faith. We run around like a bunch of chickens. You know? The, the world's looking for guidance, and the church is like, oh, oh, don't look here. Don't look here. Don't look here. We're just as freaked out as the world. No confidence. No leadership. None. You can hate me if you want to. But we are called to be we are people of faith. We're sons and daughters. We are in the world, not of it. We are cities on a hill. The world's supposed to, when they don't know where to look, they're supposed to look to the city on a hill. They look to a panicked city on a hill. They look to a freaked out city on a hill. You know, they look to a city on a hill that's no different than everything they see around them. It's not what the Lord wants. This, that may be church culture, but that is not kingdom culture. The kingdom does not proclaim that. Eh? I tell you all this all the time. I'm like, well, we got to be safe, pastor. We have to be safe. Look, be safe, but be obedient, right? Listen to the Lord. What does the Lord tell you? Did the Lord tell you you're going to die? No? Okay, then you're not going to die. Just a thought. Believe God for what he says. We can't panic. We can't freak out. Cowardly is the top of the list. The end of the day, Jesus, the judgment is happening. And all of the unbelievers are being thrown. Not sent, thrown. My wife hates it when I say that, but I'm like, read it. He will throw them. Those who've rejected Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire. Why? Because they neglected so grace of salvation, so gracious an offering. Their entire life, the Lord has been pleading with you, come to me. Turn from yourself. Repent. Restore. Give your life to me. Let me forgive you. Let me forgive you. Let me forgive you. And you trample him underfoot. And you treat the blood of the cross as a common thing. And Hebrews says there is nothing that remains. If you treat this blood that he shed as common, nothing remains from you except fear of impending judgment. Somebody out there, you're listening to it and your heart's being convicted. you know why? Because the Holy Spirit convicts on sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is why the church has to preach at some point in its existence. We have to preach a message of salvation that includes judgment if you reject him. Because the Holy Spirit manifests on that message. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of what is right. And he convicts them that if you reject this, you're lost. And you will be judged. Right? Or the sin that you're under will be judged. And you will go where the judgment goes. That's just the way it is. It's an inconvenient truth. Pastors used to say the same thing. When pastors stop preaching hell fire, then the, the world goes to hell and fire. This is the way it is. It's not about your outward actions. It's about the internal condition of your heart. Does your life belong to Christ? Does your life belong to you? Or does your life belong to Jesus? You can be born again and still be carnal. I'm talking about it. Your outward circumstances and your stupidity doesn't condemn you. Rejection of Christ is what condemns you. That's for somebody. Again, none of this is on my notes. I'm going to. So we have being religious, you can be religiously carnal as well. Right? So what we want to do is we want to walk in the Spirit. And if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we have to realize what keeps us from that. What keeps us from that is our own selfishness, our own will, our own desire for things that are outside of what he wants. It's, or operating in a mindset or a culture that's not his. You can be religiously carnal. Religious judgmental mindsets that make you think that you're better than anybody. Huh? Anybody with me? Anybody come from anything like that? No? Oh, none of y'all? None of y'all come from, you know? I come from a church that used to wear hats that said CBI. Correct biblical interpretation. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We were the correct biblical interpreters. 
We had it all, man. We had it locked. And I was that guy. I was, I was probably better than all of them. I was better than all of them. Yes, I'm telling you. Religious judgmental mindsets. And I wonder why so much of my life was held. You know, That's why Holy Spirit's every single week here. Eh? Probably the first five or six years of the church, I didn't talk too much about the Holy Spirit. And then I had to get rid of my stupidity. I had to realize that I have to be transformed with the renewing of my mind and that the only barrier to this kingdom is me. There's no barrier to this kingdom other than me. And I have to change the way that I think. And I have to realize that God will never violate his word, but he will violate my understanding. And he will violate my comfortability. He doesn't violate his word. He violates my context of what I think it's saying. He violates my context of how I have framed it. Well, it's like, I never said that. You don't understand that. You don't understand what I'm saying there. You're, you're off. So I had to do that. I was CBI, man. And I know. So when I say this, I'm not saying this to anybody in particular. I'm merely saying that I was that guy. Doctrinal beliefs and structures. We used to look down on other churches because we were the biblically superior ones. Yeah, I've had to repent of all that. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, pastor, you got issues. You got issues. Man, man, look in the mirror. Right? Look in the mirror. Yeah. I know where I've come from and I know where I am and I know where I'm going and I've changed. Yeah. I've never done anything like that. Da, 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 da. Doctrinal beliefs and structures that insulate personal preferences and deny kingdom power. I had a guy one time tell me this. Pastor tell me this. Talk about religious constructs. This guy says to me, that, well, there's this couple, and the, the husband was coming. The husband started coming here, and the wife was going to this other church, and the husband wants to reconcile with his wife, but the pastor of this other church is telling them that they need to divorce. And so... I just love to stick my head in a buzzsaw. I got nothing better to do. So let me, let me stick my head onto this saw and see where this goes. And so I call the guy up. I start talking to him. And I'm, I'm talking to this pastor. And I'm explaining to him. I'm like, look, man, you shouldn't be advising these people to divorce their Christians. You have to command them to the level of their birth. You have to command them into obedience of their identity. And you can't, advise, you can't advise divorce without first counseling reconciliation. He's like, that husband's a sinner. He's not a man of God. He's a sinner. And I'm like, well, what gives you the right to say that? All this other stuff. He goes, don't say the sin card to me, Pastor Kevin. I haven't sinned in six years. <laughs> I was like, what was that? You say that again? Can you repeat that? Because I know for the next 20 years, I'm going to be repeating it. So could you tell me that again? You, didn't, you haven't sinned in six years? I'm like, okay, I guess self-righteousness and judgmental attitudes don't count, right? It doesn't count. So, you know, but what happens is, is that we, we, we end up with these structures. So lower, we lower scripture to the level of our experience, to our preference and our own weakness and vulnerability. That's what we do. We create doctrines that justify our weakness. We create doctrines that justify our cowardice. We create doctrines that protect our vulnerability. That's why we're not changed. Because we've created doctrines. Oh, the Holy Spirit's not real. Oh, whatever it may be. And we lower scripture to the level of our experience. Healing isn't for today. Why? Because I've never seen anybody get healed. Well, scripture, you're lowering scripture to the level of your experience. You need to elevate your experience to the level of scripture. Instead of lowering scripture and constantly creating doctrines and, you know, all oh, the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, we, we, create, we create these things. And they're religious constructs and frameworks that keep us bound. You want to go somewhere, you know nothing. Holy Spirit's genius. You know nothing. Stick around. We'll teach you. Acts 7, uh, here's uh, Stephen. 
telling the Pharisees, you're unyielded in your heart, unwilling to listen like your ancestors. You always persecute the prophetic and resist the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's true. Second Timothy, in the last days, it's a marker of the last day church. You want to know what the marker of the last day church is? You read it. It's pretty, it's pretty poignant. It says men will love themselves. They will per- the, he's talking about Christians. They will love carnality more than they love the Lord. They will love their own selfish pleasures more than they love the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about not having a good time or things like that, but they seek themselves. Oh, I don't feel like, you know, they make no sacrifices for the kingdom whatsoever. Whatsoever. Church is an afterthought to them. Jesus is an afterthought to them. If it's convenient for me, well, then I'll do it. There's no sacrifice in their life whatsoever. They pursue themselves. Jesus is the accessory to their world. That's how the church treats Jesus most oftentimes, is that Jesus is an accessory. You know, kind of like the tassel on your purse, ladies. You know, we just got it there, you know. just Well, if I need it, you know, kind of look at, look at it, you know. We treat Jesus like he's an accessory. Jesus isn't an accessory. He's everything. He's the center point of all things. He's the filter and the absolute of all of our lives. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to experience that with him. He's not an accessory. So when the Bible says that my church will look like this, they're going to treat me like an accessory. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny power. Isn't that interesting? Deny power. The church denies power more than, you don't have to worry about the world denying power. The church denies power. Denies power. We just do. It's foolish. Say this with me. The devil is not anti-Jesus. He's anti-Christ. Christ is the anointing. Christ is the anointing, empowerment, moving of the charismata of the Holy Spirit. The devil is not against Jesus. He's against the inbreaking of power of the anointing. And so when the church resists the inbreaking of power of the anointing, it's actually partnering with the spirit of the age. Just a thought. Just a thought. Led by soulish feelings and desires within the culture out of ignorance or arrogance. That's what we do. Say this with me. His presence is a gift. I'm going to give you some quick keys to activation. You want to activate the Holy Spirit? All right, why don't you say this. I need to learn to practice the presence. I want you to say this. It may not be my thing, but it's Jesus' thing. Yeah? See, there again, we conform the Lord to ourselves. It doesn't matter if it's your thing. It's Jesus' thing. So learn the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's some keys to activation. Willful surrender. Worship and adoration of Jesus. You want to ignite the Holy Spirit? Just go home and start worshiping the Lord. Lord, I give you glory. I give you honor. I praise you. I thank you, Lord, that you are with me. Open your mouth, Christian. Open your mouth, right? That's right. It's true. Come on. Yeah. Begin to worship him and his presence come because the spirit comes to testify of Jesus. He comes to validate the Jesus to you. So when you worship the Lord, the devil puts muteness over the mouth of the believer. He wants our mouth silence. He doesn't want you singing. He doesn't want you praising. He doesn't want you doing anything. He wants you to feel like school. And then we're just like, mm, you know. I mean, open up. Just give him thanks. Begin to worship him. He'll activate the Holy Spirit. Immediately, you'll feel his presence. He'll come. Invite him. So worship Adoration, willful surrender to Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. And he's going to come. You're going to feel him. Right? And then as as you feel him, open yourself up to him. Let him go further. It's like Peter, not just my feet, Lord, all of me. Don't just wash my feet. Immerse me. You know? Like it's just like open yourself up and let his power come over you. And just sit there and let him rock you. 
Let him move you. Let him move upon you. That's what he does. Learn to practice. Open your mouth with gratitude, humility, and honor. Begin to be grateful. Father, I thank you that everything's against me, but you are for me. I thank you that it doesn't look good. So it's easy to give thanks for, bad, for good things, but how about giving thanks for bad things? I'm in a bad situation, Lord, but I thank you that you are for with me. And if you are with me, none can be against me. I thank you that you are the God of the great turnaround. You begin to speak faith. You begin to speak gratitude. You begin to speak in humility. Lord, everything about my life is for your honor. I humble myself before you. I hold nothing from you. Everything that you want, Lord, I hold nothing from you. In humility, you'll feel power. Honor him. Holy Spirit, Lord, I honor you. I honor you that you have made me your son. I honor you as my father. I come before you, Lord, not as a disobedient son, but as an obedient son. I come before you, Lord, that if you will instruct me, I will listen. If you will instruct me, I will follow. I honor you. Come before him like that. You don't feel power? You better check your pulse. You're going to feel power. You're going to feel res. You're going to start resonating. You're going to feel like you're glowing. You're going to feel like waves. You're going to just feel like... Some of you are going to feel like you're burning. You're going to feel like meth, uh, menthol, right? Cool. <laughs> Peace. Stillness. You're just going to be like, wow, this is cool, you know? We activate his presence, the key to his presence. We worship. Ready? Sing songs. Everybody say with me. Sing songs. Sing songs. Right? I didn't say, I can't carry a tune. It doesn't matter. If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, turn the radio up a little louder. Like sing over the sing with the song. You know, some of y'all need to take a day out of your life and find worship songs that take you where you need to go. You would, you would benefit yourself to create yourself your own little playlist on YouTube, whatever, you, whatever your preference is, and create yourself a worship playlist that just takes you to the races. I've listened to the same song every time when I come to church for, for probably the last five years. Same song. My son's like, oh, he's going to play the song again. I'm like, that's right. Because I fill my heart with that. It's about the love of God. It's about knowing that he loves me. And I remind myself a thousand times if I have to that I'm loved. Because God wants me to love you. And he wants to love you through me. So when I come up here, I want love in my heart. I want his love in me so that his love is transferred to you. You need to create a worship set of some kind that takes you where you need to go. Life clamors. Listen, we got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to realize that there's noise. Everybody say it with me. Create a margin. You have a commute to work, Christian. You have a margin. Get up 20 minutes earlier. I don't know what you got to do, but you have to create a margin. Life's not going to give you that margin. If you think that the world is going to give you the time to honor God, it's not. If you think your life is going to give you the time to honor God, it's not. You have to take it. You can't make time. You can take it. You have to take it from somewhere. Take it in the car. I don't know, go in the bathroom at work and just put, get yourself a nice set of headphones. And stand outside and be, I'm singing, worshiping, the G, you know, whatever. I do it all the time. I get, fun, I get made fun of in my family. I do. My son's like, you're like mumbling words over there, Dad. What are you doing? And like, I'm like, because I'm listening to the headphones, you know. Find it. You have to learn. The, end, the Bible says that the cares of this life chokes out the word. It's not, there, so say it with me. God speaks in three dimensions. He speaks in Logos, which is his written word. He speaks in Rhema, which is the Spirit revealing his word to you. And he speaks prophetically to you. He will give you direct instructions. That is a voice, a prophetic voice of God speaking right to you. 
he wrote a book, but he didn't lose his voice. And so what happens is, is that the world wants to, ch that chokes out this word. We need to give time for logos. We need to give time for rhema. Let the Lord begin to reveal things to you. Let the God Lord begin to show things to you. And you need to give time for prophetic. Let the Lord speak over you. You ever done that? Sit outside and let him speak over you. Lord, speak over me. Lord, speak over my situation. I'll tell you two areas in my life that I could give you more, but this is what just jumped out at me. I had my daughter. When my daughter was born, I asked the Lord for a word. I said, speak over this, Lord. And he said, she will never have a need that I will not meet. Huh? When I got married, I asked the Lord, speak over my marriage. And he spoke over my marriage. When you ask God to speak over you, most time he's going to give you an affirmation of identity or he's going to give you a promise. My daughter never wanted for anything. She wanted for nothing. When that kid was born, I, I, I share the story. We had, a, we had a room full of diapers, floor to ceiling. People were giving us cribs, everything. I mean, every single thing she's ever wanted in her life. She goes right to the top. This kid gets hired somewhere, and she goes right to the top. Like, people can't even understand it, right? They're like, what's up with this girl? She's like 20-something years old, and she goes right up to the top. Because there's never a need in her life that God will not meet. She had a full-ride scholarship. wasn't because of me, you know. She earned it. Every single thing was given to her because I asked the Lord for a promise. Ask God to speak over you. Amen. Ask him to speak over your situation. He's going to tell you. I'm going to turn it around. Lord, talk to me about this, Lord. Give me a word for this. He's not going to go, freak out. He's not going to do that. He's not going to go, I don't know, Kevin. This is freaking me out too. So, you know, he's going to tell you. I'm turning it around. He's going to tell you, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Do this. He's going to tell you. You need to take time for that. Live in his presence Comfort and peace. Say it with me. I can get into fear or I can get into power. That's right. You got your choice. I'm going to do a prayer with you guys real quick. You guys want to do a prayer? Yes, I'm going to do one for you, with you. And the reason for that is I have to, uh, long story. Somebody hit a pole at my house and I've been without internet all week. So I had to come into church early and that's why I'm in the back going, you know, I had no internet whole week, right? It's crazy. So we're going to do a prayer. This prayer, I want you to say this with me, repentance. I got this side of the room. They're with. Repentance is a gift. Uh, repentance means teshuva. It means return in Hebrew. Give back to me. Give back to me your attitudes, Kevin. Give back to me your actions, Kevin. Give back to me what you've taken unto yourself. Give back to me your attitudes. Give back, give back to me. So we're going to do a prayer of repentance as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And you say, why is that? Because I would bet you, without question, most of you have had some misaligned attitude towards the Holy Spirit at some point in your life. And we just want to, do you, do you, you just listen, you don't want to carry anything that Jesus doesn't want you to carry. You don't want to empower the enemy in any right of accusation against you. You don't want it. So we want, we want to start over with the Holy Spirit today. Anybody want to start over with the Holy Spirit today? Right? And, and say, well, I'm already in the spirit, man. Okay, well, maybe you're a spiritual rock star. So let's go to another level spiritual rock star. So, but for the rest of us, let's just clean some house here and let's go to a new place. So if you'd stand to your feet, we're going to pray a prayer. It's safe. Don't worry. It's dangerous because it changes you. Say this, Holy Spirit, I repent for any and all religious mindsets and attitudes that I've had towards you. I repent of any ignorance or any arrogance that I have had as it pertains to the things of your heart and of your kingdom. I repent of every voice 
I have ever submitted to that is not yours, including but not limited to my own voice, I ask you to cleanse me and to purify me of any and all iniquity towards you, towards your voice, or towards your ways. I invoke the law of the Spirit, which is mine by inheritance, that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. I invoke 1 John 1.9, which is mine by right of inheritance, which says, if I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive me. Come on, don't be, don't get, don't be choking on that. Come on, if I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive, I want you to open up right now, the refreshing that was promised. And I just want you to just feel refreshing come upon you. Refreshing. Holy Spirit is just cleansing it. It's going to open you up in a lot of new ways. You're going to feel like dandy. You're going to feel brand new. He's going to just reset the whole, he's going to reset the whole system. I want you to say this. I willfully yield my heart towards you. I willfully yield to what I do not know or what I don't understand. Here we go. I will never again posture in arrogance towards you. My body is your body. My heart is your heart. My mind and my will are yours. I give you permission to claim your habitation, not in religion, but in reality. I will create a margin and I will practice the presence. I will commune with you and I will listen. I will abide with you and I will activate and draw from the power, the love, and the soundness of mind that, that is mine in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there you go. All right, let me bless you. We have a prayer team available for you. So this week, I want everybody going to say it. Practice the presence. Well, this side's active over here. Right over here. Practice the presence. All right, you're going to practice the presence. Everybody say this. Make a worship playlist. Yeah, that's right. Make yourself a little worship playlist. Go there. You need some suggestions. There's lots of people with different suggestions. But let me bless you. We have a prayer team if you need prayer. Let me bless you one more time. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.